This is a unique podcast exploring the criminal justice system and those involved and affected. We'll educate and expose the public as well as potential jurors to what takes place behind the scenes of those who are facing the system. Your host owns a litigation support firm called Justice Technology Professionals, and he works on criminal and civil cases offering support to defendants and counsel. What you're about to hear is an open dialogue opening the minds to the public to what takes place in reality as opposed to what you think takes place ladies and gentlemen welcome to the justice tech pros podcast here's your host dominic crea how's it going listeners uh today i'm actually going to talk about uh few items. I'll probably bounce around a little bit, but a couple things that uh, I made notation on and a couple things as I normally do that I wanted to touch on and I guess just air them out on here. Uh, just something to do. One thing that I, I uh, wanted to mention that I noticed that goes on a lot, you know, within these um, now doing this podcast and uh, watching other podcasts that are in related genres and trying to listen to certain things that could help defendants, help cases that I'm involved in. You notice a lot of different uh, podcasters are popping up that have nothing to do uh, with the um, with the genre, you know, the, where they'll just go on, they'll start talking about whether they're talking about informants or they're putting out uh, documentaries on organized crime or things like that. And, you know, I get it. People are into that. But one thing I do notice that people don't understand is the amount of subscribers on these levels is, like, minuscule. You know, they'll talk about subscribers. I have 2,000 subscribers, 3,000 subscribers, whatever it is. My show has 19,000, which most of the subscribers I got are from uh, the YouTube ads I put out there where they play, like, I think it's for 30 seconds. And then if somebody likes the channel, you hope somebody likes the channel, then they'll go, they'll click, and they'll subscribe, and you're gaining subscribers. Because for me, I I really, again, I don't monetize, so I just accept whatever money I'm uh, allocating towards the podcast is just in hopes that it reaches a broader audience. So when I target the YouTube ads, you know, I usually select uh, the United States because I figure any citizen within the U.S. It's something to be aware of. If they're going to be a potential juror, it could help future defendants. So that's my mindset. I may change the ad to be a little bit more uh, regulated on the demographic where I may target, like, say, New York or New Jersey or areas where uh, closer to where I'm located. I don't know. I haven't really thought about that yet because right now it's just about getting people to listen so when you when you do the and I mentioned this before when you do the ads it's it's um, it's productive if you're trying to build your channel just to get the word out I don't know if it's if it makes sense if you're monetizing and trying to make money because it can get a little bit expensive so it may not make sense on that area although with any business if you treat it as a business and say you're trying to build it up you have to accept at the beginning you got to put aside a certain amount of funding for marketing or whatever you may want to call it. So fortunately, I don't got to worry about that because that is not why I I do this. I do this and I started this a year ago 
just to try, a year and a half ago, just to try and uh, get a different perspective out there, enlighten the public in a certain way as far as what goes on, and offer my opinion and, and my perspective on things and allow the listeners to decide what they find interesting, what they don't. So my point is being, you'll hear a lot of these smaller podcasters that are popping up talking about subscribers. And, and one thing, even like with my show, it has, say, 19,000 people. Another show has 5,000, 8,000. I don't think they realize in the grand scheme of podcasting, that's not even a blip on the radar. You see some of these podcasts, they have millions of subscribers, millions of views. So it's minimal. Unfortunately, I know my impact is minimal. That's just something I got to accept. I can't, I don't see this channel getting that big. It's just, it's not really an area that a lot of people find that interesting. They want to go on YouTube and you want to listen to podcasts that uh, are entertaining and things like that. Ho hopefully it grows for the purpose of people listen to it and perhaps have gained some insight and perhaps make themselves a better juror, more well-equipped juror. But I, I just, I find it a little crazy when, they, when they're throwing out these small numbers and they're almost citing it as if it's making some kind of impact because it's really not. It's a small, it's a small fraction of the audience that's out there. Uh, again, it's like taking a piece of, a grain of sand and putting it on the beach and that sand represents the subscribers. In the grand scheme of things, it's, it's very small and it's hard to make an impact and you want to think you are. Again, I, I try to believe that what I'm putting out is going to somehow make a difference someday. Maybe on somebody's trial, they'll get a juror who listened to something or thought about something and it resonated. And it helps the individual get a fair trial. Whether they're guilty or innocent is irrelevant, just so they get a fair trial, that's all. If they are guilty, so be it. If they're innocent, you don't want them being found guilty if they're innocent. That's the most important thing and that's what... We try to prevent, and that's what I try to prevent in my small, tiny way. Um, and again, this is something that I do on the side. Uh, I have businesses that I'm involved in. I do a lot of things that have nothing to do with this whole entire arena. I built my businesses up with a completely different industry and then kind of segued into this due to circumstances and trying to help. So... There's, uh, I want to try to explain this so everybody can understand because the listeners usually on this show aren't going to under, aren't listening to the podcast. So I'm listening to, some are, don't get me wrong, but some aren't, aren't listening to the podcast. So I want to keep it general just to convey my thoughts on the topic. So I'm going to, I'm going to try to do that and bear with me. Uh, hopefully you could understand what I'm saying, which is hard to, to convey sometimes if the person didn't see what you saw or um, watch and understand what's going on within the whole podcast realm. Lately, there's been a lot of podcasters popping up who are, I, I don't want to say they're advocates. I wouldn't put, I think the one I watch is just an entertaining, and I spoke about it in the past. It's an entertaining channel. I find the guy's humor funny. I find it hilarious. I don't think, um, I think people look into it a little too deep. When I read the comments, I think they, I don't know, everybody today seems to go that everything's a big conspiracy. For me, 
it's very simplistic. I think it's just somebody who who doesn't like informants. It's that Mob Rats Exposed podcast is the name of it, and I find it funny. It's just a guy, in my opinion, he doesn't like informants, and he goes on there and he makes fun of all the podcasts, which to me is funny. I think the, the concept's funny. I think what he says is funny. The commentary cracks me up. But I was thinking about it, and I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think the uh, bigger picture is important. And this is what I mean. When you have, regardless of the uh, genre, when, you, when you're only hearing one perspective on it, so we're going to use um, the informant as, a, uh, as an example. Uh, you have informants doing podcasts. I spoke about that. I'm not going to get into the whole thing on that. But they're doing podcasts, and they're telling their, their version and the audience, a lot of them are just members of the public or just listening to that one version. Now, if you have somebody coming on and combating that in an entertaining way, it's funny. You know, it's it's entertaining. I, I find this one particular channel funny. There's a lot of them that popped up recently. I don't, I'm not crazy about any other ones. I just like this guy because this is my opinion. I don't think this guy has any agenda. I think he's just doing it. Um, I, I've saw, I've witnessed his other channels it seems like he's an individual who just will see something that he don't agree with and puts out something funny to entertain people and get a laugh out of them uh, i don't think he has any alignment with anybody i don't think anybody's paying him because those are all the uh conspiracies flying around i don't think it so I, I just think that that's my perspective i think it's just an individual who found the uh the podcast that he's making fun of, uh, insulting, I guess, you know, he didn't like, I guess he picked up on lies being told and which to me, that's a step in the right direction. Just in general, if the public sees members of the public see things that are going on that they don't agree with, it's good to see somebody take a stand on it and talk about it. And I made a post about it on Instagram, just in the sense that when you have a belief, when you have a stance, regardless of what side of the fence you're on, it's important you stick by it. I see a lot of these other podcasts, they flip-flop each day. It's pretty amusing. One day they don't like one informant, then the next day the informant's on their show, and then they like them, but this one's bad, that one's not, this one's, uh, they say this one's a rat, that one's not a rat. I find all that just hypocritical and nonsensical. This one, uh, this one guy, I haven't seen him do that yet. I've seen him just come up with an entertaining show, He'll put up funny commentary, and it makes me laugh. Again, and any listeners, go check that channel because it is pretty funny. No, I don't know the guy. I know they'll, again, try to make a conspiracy of this, that I know the guy, that, that I'm having the guy. Actually, the informants the guy talks about have nothing to do with me or any of the cases I worked on, so there's no tie in there for anybody who thinks there's some kind of uh, something behind me mentioning the individual and, so, and Finding the channel entertaining. I just find it entertaining. And that's it. T take it for what it's worth. But I try to look at the bigger picture of these things. And the, the positive angle that I see is at least there's some pushback. Prior to the you know this channel in particular. There may have been other ones in the past. I haven't come across it. But you see a lot of hypocrisy. I have seen other channels, but when you go into their past, you've seen relationships that maybe they, they were somehow connected with an informant at one time, and now they're doing the podcast, 
or they hung out with the informants and now they're doing the podcast bashing him. So to me, that's kind of somebody who goes back and forth. So I don't really entertain that too much. I like to stick with somebody who has a conviction from inception and follows that through. Um, and what, what I find a bigger picture, a lesson that I think is important is the public hearing these things, at the very least, they see another side to it. They see somebody who is calling out lies. They see somebody who has no dog in the fight and is simply pointing to and highlighting inconsistencies. And that's really important because I see a lot of that. And I spoke about it on my last episode where from being on the inside, I see a lot of inconsistencies with podcasts that I have to listen to based on information I have available, such as Discovery and uh, 302s and things that are under protective order. But I, I, I can't have a voice on that. You know, I can't, I can't explain it and I can't point them out or map it out because of the protective order. So you just kind of have to sit back, listen to the, listen to the falsities and, and it is what it is, you know, do your thing on another level just to to work to help your clients. It, it does get to the point where it's frustrating, where you have people saying a lot of things that you know aren't true, but you have no tool or platform to express that because you're not allowed. Just can't do it. It's If it's under protective order, you just can't do it. So I enjoy the fact that members of the public all, who really have nothing invested are picking up on these things, are picking up on people starting podcasts that aren't really true, people trying to fool one another, the hypocrisy of it. I, I think that's a good sign where perhaps we start getting a pool of society that just doesn't accept the wool being pulled over their eyes. They're starting to think for themselves and, you know, that exists all over. It's just nice to visualize that because when you are entrenched in having to watch these different podcasts and you read the different comments and you see a lot of the um, forum column uh, comments within this this genre, you see only one side really. You see a lot of people who are just buying into it, not really knowing what they're talking about. I was sent snapshots of a um, one of those forums where they talk about organized crime and you have these guys they're they're actually weighing in on appeals and who can win appeal and who can't and they're citing law and it's the most ridiculous thing everything's baseless everything's nonsensical and then they're all just building on it and agreeing with it and the point just is that just shows what part of society exists where these facts that aren't facts they're fiction are being put out as facts and opinions are being made with no basis and you don't mind the opinion uh, aspect of it. That's how it goes. Everybody has an opinion. But when these things start getting pushed out as if they're factual and, and they're giving citations that have no relevance, they try to stand on those citations of why something may fail or something may uh, succeed based on certain cases that they're trying to cite. But the basis, there's no parallel there. Nothing corresponds. And then everybody's going along with it. it you, you can't help but find that amusing. And at the same token, find it disturbing because those are members of the public that will be a, a jury someday, a juror. 
and they will have to judge somebody. And when you when you see they're not even able to grasp certain concepts and hang on to certain facts and able to distinguish fact from fiction, and then you think about that person serving on a jury panel and having to weigh facts that rely on credibility or rely on whether or not somebody will be acquitted or whether they'll be found guilty, that's a scary thought. They can't even follow conversations where they have the uh, internet at their fingertips. You know, they could go on the internet, search things, and, and they, they're not even uh, accurate with that. Now you take that tool away and they're sitting in the courtroom and they're just listening to testimony and following a case. How are they going to judge somebody's life? You know, that, that that is a little bit disturbing, to say the least, in my opinion. But I don't know, it's just how it goes. Getting back to the genre of the podcasting and how it's having an internal impact. I'm sure a lot of my listeners don't lift, listen, as I stated at the beginning of the show. So I want to kind of break it down where they could, you guys could understand the point I'm trying to make. You have the genre of uh, informant podcasts and then you have an oppositional podcast, as I spoke about, where they'll come in and make fun of the informants. I notice a, a shift in dynamic where now the informants are getting very rattled by it. They're getting upset by it. Uh, they're claiming it's not fair. It's not right. Uh, there's a lot of comments that they're being attacked and whatnot. I find that extremely ironic because for years... They've been on different platforms, uh, insulting people that maybe they put away, that they testified against, ripping people apart. Now, by doing that, there's families of all these individuals. Everybody has a family, somebody who cares about them. They have to hear that day in, day out. They have to listen to it. They have to endure it. So that's been going all this time unchecked. And now that the tides are turned very small and a very small percentage, because there's not... There's not many people doing it legitimately. I've seen a few pop up and claim to be doing it. But then, like I said, who's talking to an informant on the phone? Who's chatting? And it's just, it's just crazy. I've only seen one person stick by their guns. And, and, and I respected that in the sense that from day one, they made their position clear. They're, they're just against the whole concept. And they, and they stand by it. And as I always say, it doesn't matter... I'm not here to say informants are bad, informants are good. I'm not here to say that. I have my own personal convictions, which I made clear. I, I don't agree with the concept. I think you have to be accountable. I think everybody makes their own decisions. I think trying to uh, get a jail, uh, get out of jail free card based on giving information, it's just not not part of my belief system. So I don't I don't agree with it. Now, does that make me right? I have no idea. It makes me right in my eyes makes me right based on my moral beliefs, and that's all I really care about. I don't care who agrees with me, who doesn't. It's just my own personal conviction. And the point, the bigger picture is just at least stand by your conviction. A lot of these other ones who claimed coming up, they're going to bash and form, and then they're flip-flopping. One day they're friends with somebody, one day they're not. It's, it's, it's comical. It's comical because you just could see it's not about having a conviction. It's not about having a belief system. It's about wavering and it's about flip-flopping based on who's your buddy that day. You know, who you're friends with that day, who you're not. And I don't know how anybody puts any kind of trust in any of these individuals uh, as far as trying to think that they're either on your side, not on your side. 
my philosophy is very simple. I assume nobody but my family and my close friends are on my side. And I don't need anybody on my side. I'm grateful for a lot of the comments and a lot of the emails I get. I get a lot of strangers who agree with what I say and a lot of great comments. And that's actually a happy surprise because I never anticipated that. I don't live my life for affirmation or for somebody to agree with me or agree with my thought process. I I really don't care. I just try to make sure I do the right thing by my family and by my friends. And nobody's going to change that, whether they agree or not. I'm going to proceed with my style, my beliefs, my way of doing things. Because I know what's in the best interest of my moral compass and what's in the best interest of my support system. So that's how I try to go about things. And I put my thoughts out there and my, my opinion. So when I get comments and emails at the beginning, I was actually taken back, I guess because I was so jaded but by how society is with a lot of things and witnessing certain trials and seeing how jurors really don't pay attention to things. I was a little taken back when I saw supportive comments. You know, right away people would want to say, oh, you're just defending defendants or you're defending uh, this person or that person because you have a vested interest. That's always their go-to. They have a hard time grasping. Somebody just has a belief system and they they like to enforce that. That's just how I, I move forward. Even on this show, I don't need anybody to support it, to promote it. And when they do, I'm grateful for it. I've spoken in the past about different uh, channels and outlets that have supported it. I've done marketing on it. I've uh, advertised, actually got a lot of uh, listeners from that as well. I advertised on no, radio stations. And at the beginning, I did a lot of advertising. I think I did like three months of advertising on radio stations. And I got a lot of subscribers from that too and a lot of views from that. So I put money into it just to get the word out, just to get a base. And I try to do that with each video. I try to target an area and advertise and gain subscribers that way. Because the way I look at it is if they clicked on the ad and they listened to it, I believe it's 30 seconds they have to listen to before you get charged for it. So if they listen to 30 seconds, that means they were drawn in a little bit. And then if they subscribe, that's a bonus. And then at least you built a listener. So it's worth it if you're trying to build your, your channel. And I just believe what gets lost nowadays in a lot of way is people standing by what they believe in one way or another. Regardless of what side of the fence you're on, you got to ride it out. If you believe in something, you got to ride it out. There's going to be good times and bad times, but you got to stay true to your conviction. And that's what I try to do here. I'm sure a lot of people don't believe in what I, uh, what I believe and what I put out there and maybe what I say. And even if I do talk about factual things that take place in court or factual things that take place during preparing for trial, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are going to say, oh, well, he's just saying that because... Uh, his father was on a case or defendants that he works with are on a case or clients are on a case. They'll try to justify it that way. I, again, don't care. I'm just explaining what took place, how things work. And if you're supposedly a believer in the justice system and you believe in people getting a fair trial, those things really shouldn't matter. You should just enforce that. You should believe that everybody's entitled to due process and everyone should get a fair trial, regardless 
of labels, regardless of reputation, whatever it may be. If you believe in the justice system, you believe that everybody, that the justice system should work in a way that every defendant that comes into that courtroom should be judged by a jury of their peers in a fair and unbiased way and found guilty beyond a reasonable doubt, then you have to align with the fact that that should hold true, regardless of who is sitting in front of you. And if you don't, then there's two things. If you don't believe that, and say you get called for jury duty, and there's somebody in front of you that you simply, you just have them guilty from the second you look at them, they're guilty. That's life. That happens sometimes. You just, it's the way some people are. The right thing to do, excuse yourself from serving. Get up and excuse yourself. Be honest. Say, I can't find this guy innocent. Or not guilty, I should say, because you're not finding somebody innocent. You're just saying they're not guilty. So stand up, say, I I can't find this individual not guilty. I need to excuse myself. My internal thoughts, my internal beliefs won't allow me to do that. So excuse yourself. I give you credit in the sense that at least you excused yourself. You recognized the limitations based on that defendant. And at least you allowed for that person to be judged accordingly. But as we know, people don't do that. They sit there, they yes, they yes the court to death about being fair, being unbiased, being able to weigh the facts. We know that's not true because we could tell by a lot of the verdicts. Some of the verdicts that come out, person was 100% innocent. I mean, just turn on any one of these shows all the time. People are being exonerated thanks to DNA, thanks to an informant recanting their testimony, thanks to uh, stories changing. So we know this isn't something I'm pulling from midair. We know that that exists. We know that innocent people get found guilty in our society. That just happens. So how do you prevent that? You prevent that, in my opinion, from education, from building a better juror base, for You have to vet the jurors, which I spoke about in the past, about vetting jurors, finding out if they're on the internet. I know that'll never happen because that's diving in too deep, but it really should happen in in reality. You want to see how they talk in, in these groups. Imagine having a lot of these forum fools that I like to call them that go in these groups and bash people and talk about people. Imagine having those guys or girls serving on your jury. You don't have any shot. Look at the way they talk under secrecy. You don't think when they're on the jury, they're going to put on a happy face and pretend they're listening and act like they're all engaged. Then as soon as they go into that deliberation room, they're going to do their thing? Come on. That's foolish to think that. And now to just tie it back into what I opened up with as far as these different podcasts. And it could be any, any arena uh, that you want, to, you want to talk about. When you have these different podcasts... If somebody's hearing it or watching it, it's going to influence their decision-making ability. So it's always good to have two sides of it. It's just like a conversation, right, on any kind of topic or debate. Me personally, I, I like to hear both sides, and then I use my own judgment, my own common sense, my own knowledge to determine where I where I align. My own belief system, it all, it all boils down to where I'll wind up aligning. But you need to see two sides of it. And now with these different podcasts, for a while there was only the one side, right? You only had this emergence. Uh, 2020 was like the big emergence of all these informant podcasts, their tour of fame, I like to call it. And they all came out of the woodwork. They're all telling stories. 
and I'm using the word stories, fictional stories, most of the time uh, you could just, I guess I believe why, I'm going to be honest, the reason why I feel most of them are fictional stories is because I'm able to compare factual data and information and what was said at different times to contradict a lot of these stories. So I, I just see a lot of it's BS. And it's like I, I, I would say in the past, if you're going to be an informant, okay, if that's what you know you you align with, that's that's okay with your consciousness. You're, you're comfortable with that, so be it. But at the very least, tell the truth. The problem I have is when they lie, and when you're able to catch them on their lies. So you have to sometimes look at things from a different perspective. You have different informants going on and they're telling their stories from their perspective. Now, there's other people involved in those stories. I'm sure if you talk to the defendants that they put away, maybe family members of the defendants, maybe even family members of the informants who know what their character is all about. But if you talk to those individuals, I'm sure you're going to get a, a, a totally different perspective on it. And now, some of society will say, well, of course you're going to get a different perspective because they're telling the truth and they don't want that coming out there. Well, how do you know that? Why do you jump to that conclusion? Because somebody's away in jail? Somebody was put away because of it? Is that why you know that? Well, if you want to get technical, the informant should have went to jail, but they didn't because they informed. So if you're trying to qualify it based on credibility, wouldn't you have to start them both with the same amount of credibility? One just informed and one didn't, but they're coming from the same type of element, if that's what you want to call it. If, if in your mind you're dealing with two people who are accused of committing crimes, you're dealing with two people. So why would you give more credibility to one without hearing the other individual side? Wouldn't you want to hear both sides? And that's the problem. You're not going to hear both sides. So I think, I think what happens is people forget that there's another side to it. They just hear that one narrative being pushed and they automatically jump to everything out of this person's mouth as gospel. Now, if you could hear the other side, that would definitely change the game. And I come on here, try to give, I'm limited in what I could issue on as far as sides and as far as different perspective. I'm very limited because of reasons I spoke about. So I try to address it in a general manner, just to give a conceptual idea of how these things work. And just to give the audience uh, a visual of how to play it out in your head to just analyze the situation a little better. But if I was able to come on here and give detailed accounts of specific incidents and specific recollections that an informant's telling or stories an informant's telling with a counter-argument, or an alternative perspective or alternative side or an alternative chain of events or facts, it would give the listener something to think about, correct? It would give them something to weigh at least. They wouldn't automatically assume everything that they're being told is accurate. So I think that's really the basis of what I'm trying to convey here. You have to keep those things in mind when you're listening to all these different stories and you're listening to all these channels just remember you're only hearing one side. And there's a lot of parties that are involved in these different stories. There's a lot of different personalities, a lot of different people. And I'm sure if it was more of a debate where you had both sides going back and forth, then you could determine, well, who's telling the truth? 
and who's lying. But too many times, and when you read the comments, it's almost, I don't even know, it's almost like a cult when you read the comments because they'll just, oh, I'm, I understand 100%, you're so right, you're right. How are you supposed forget about supporting you could support it but how are you verifying what somebody's saying without even knowing all of the facts how could you be that committed and say yep everything he's saying is 100 percent accurate i could tell you get a lot of people that's their famous line oh i could tell just by the way they talk oh, oh really you could tell uh, okay well you're special can you pick me the lottery numbers being you're able to do that send the lottery numbers my way since you could tell just from items like that you must have some kind of special ability so I don't understand that. Me, any logical thinking person, anybody with reason, they would say to themselves, okay, this is a good story. It's entertaining. Um, I like hearing it. Some people like hearing that. So I like hearing it. It's a great story, whatever. But I don't think I could give it too much weight because I'm only hearing one side. I think I would have to hear the other side, the other perspective, and then I could decide where the truth falls. Sometimes the truth falls in between. Sometimes it's not black and white because you do have different perspectives and different views. And just remember, it's like anything else. You, I, say three, four people, we could witness an event take place. We could witness uh, something happen. And we will all, when we recount that story, we may all have a different view and a different opinion of what actually happened, what what came first, what came second, what came third, you have to realize that. There's three different, four different, two different people involved. So sometimes the stories aren't exactly the same. So you have to dive in and figure out where the truth lies. That could be the case as well. It's all about just analyzing the entire situation before jumping to conclusions. And I, I, I believe that's the problem that happens a lot of times in the courtroom. Uh, the jury will jump to conclusions. They won't. They won't analyze the actual facts. They'll just jump to conclusions and they'll give credibility when the, it shouldn't be given. And that's what's happening on, on on a media platform, where you have an informant after informant. They all kind of have the same forecast as far as their goals and aspirations and what they want to accomplish in life. It's mapped out. To, to basically be, um, I guess, book deals, podcasts, movies, things like that, whatever. Writing stories, not necessarily in that order, but that, that's pretty much the goal. Internet fame, I guess that's the goal. And if that works for them, that's what their career is going to be. Okay, that's what your career is going to be. But when appealing to society, this is where it's on society's part to take a step back because an informant with a line of telling the truth, that's what they do. They're just going to go on there. They're going to tell their stories and whatnot. It's on society's part to decipher what's accurate, what's not accurate. It's on the juror's part to decipher what's accurate, what's not accurate. But here's the big, the big difference, which juries need to understand. When you're in the, the, the courtroom, you at least get the other side of things, you have the defense up there, the defense is able to put on their, their case, you have to weigh both sides. On the media platform, on the YouTubes and on the podcasts, they're not doing that. And that's why I do respect certain podcasts which have nothing at all to do with 
any nothing to do with true crime, nothing to do with anything I'm talking about. There's a lot of podcasts out there that I find interesting where they'll just show both sides of the debate, whether it's uh, a current event issue, whatever it is, but they show like all different sides of the debate. That's what I like to see, to see exactly what took place. It's kind of like when I read, I've talked about this in the past, I, I, I enjoy studying uh, dogs, dog breeds, dog history and whatnot, and not to bore everybody with that, but my point just is, I'll read dozens and dozens, if not hundreds of books through the years on all different, from all different authors, all different perspectives, and then I draw my conclusions where things started, where breeds came from, and my point just is, you want to read as many different perspectives as it is. You, you want to understand the different sides of it so you get a complete com- picture of what is going on. And what a lot of people don't understand, you, these podcasts, they're allowed to go on free reign, telling stories about people. That's somebody's father, that's somebody's husband, that's somebody's nephew or somebody's niece, if somebody's aunt. I mean, these are all related to family. Imagine having to endure that and having to listen to to things that you know are blatant lies, where they're trashing their character, they're abusing them as a person, and you have to sit back and, and listen. Now, I understand it's First Amendment. I get it. That's 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 a good thing to have First Amendment to be used in that way. Is I don't know, it's a little ridiculous to be able to do that. But And as I always say, if I know for a fact, if I came on here and I started ripping up certain people, I have no doubt I'd have an issue. Somebody would be knocking on my door for that. Don't ask me how, but my First Amendment probably wouldn't matter if I did that. But I understand that's what they hide behind the First Amendment. And I think, going back to my initial point, I think I find it I find it amusing that now a lot of these informants are complaining that they're being ripped up on these other podcasts uh, because, you know, that's not fair, this is not fair, because they're getting a little taste of, of what everybody, you know, with defendants and what defendants' family had to endure for all these years. So now the defendants' families, they have to sit. They got to listen to these stories, things that they know are not true. There's a lot of things that the family members will know is just completely not true. And and they'll go on about that. I mean, I'll give you a perfect example. On, on the one of the biggest websites that Wikipedia, which I spoke about, which is nonsense, they have my father's last name, uh, middle name is something it's not. And it's on every website that that's his middle name. It's ridiculous. And actually, it was spoken about in the uh, book, Guilt for the Guiltless. It's not his middle name. But yet, they pass it off as gospel. That's the middle. So there's a blatant fact that could be proven that's completely wrong, right? There's something that could be proven very easily that's completely wrong, but everybody passes it on as fact. And I'm using just a small example to give you an idea of what gets passed around in society, in the podcast, that are completely inaccurate, 100% family members know it's wrong, everybody knows it's wrong, but it gets passed around as fact. I can come on here and talk for hours about all the inconsistencies I see from people I know that pop up online, and I'd like to battle each and every one, but I'm just not going to do that, it's not my thing. But I would love to debate a lot of these forum fools who spit out this information Acting as if it's it's true, and, and I would trump every one of their arguments because I know the facts and I can prove the facts. It, it won't just be my word; I could prove it. But again, there's a lot of things you can't do because of protective orders and because of 
just just can't do it. And a lot of it has to do with just my style and my approach. Sometimes I wish, honestly, I was a little bit different as far as how I conduct myself because I would take a much more proactive role in fight. I, I just I, I'm I confront things head on. That's just my nature, and I don't like doing it. Uh, in you know anonymously in comments, I say who what I have to say to whoever I have to say it to, and sometimes I wish I, I could do that approach just to to call things out when I see it's a lie, and I can't do those things because I know what it will get twisted into and turned into and blown up into, and I, and I already know that, so I, I'm prevented from doing that. But it, it's hard when you, when you have a certain personality or a certain characteristic, and you have to refrain from it. But that's part of life, right? You have to listen to it. So today I just wanted to really touch on those things. And I know, I, I hope even though the listeners may not be privy to the channels I'm talking about or w- what is going on, I just hope the, the general idea has been explained properly here. I hope I did a decent job of that. Just whereas I think people have to understand and weigh that they're always just getting one side of things when they're listening to somebody on a podcast, tell stories, and these informants go on there and talk about what they want to do to to create a career for themselves and to monetize and to make merchandise, sell merchandise. I just hope that people understand you're only getting one perspective. And you're only getting one side, which is driven by agenda. Let's call it what it is. When you're monetizing, when you're charging, when you're selling merchandise, there's one agenda. You're trying to create a career. You're trying to make money based on these supposed misdeeds, which you regret so much. And you're a new person and you found Jesus, the Lord, our Savior. So you're trying to be a better person and improve. We get it. We get it. But the bottom line is that's what's at the root of it, trying to make money off of it. And to make money, you got to be entertaining. And you got to do things that are – to make money in on YouTube is what I mean. you got to be entertaining. And to make money on podcasts, people want to listen. And I hope the viewer, the listener just – realizes that and they take it for what it is they take it with a grain of salt that there's always two sides to the story and just because somebody is telling you they're saying the truth telling you that these things happened you understand that there's another side to that and that other side needs to be heard and that other side could be the piece that distinguishes distinguishes fact from fiction. The other side could put forth a response that'll cause you to change your opinion on the person you're listening to, change your perspective on the story. You start to understand the truth behind it. You start to understand that it is a lie just to to benefit from or to rationalize choices they will make. Just all things that you have to keep in your mind. And the most important thing is, one thing all of those podcasts have in common, as far as the informant podcasts nowadays, they're all monetized, they're all trying to sell uh, merchandise, they're all trying to make money, 
trying to get book deals, trying to get movie deals, trying to get shows, whatever it may be, trying to have 15 minutes of fame on the internet, be a YouTube star. That's really what it's about. And what brought them to that point? You have to think about that. They lived their life a certain way for many years. They decided for one reason or another to justify in order to not be accountable for their own sins or their own acts they may have committed, whatever they did or didn't do. The only scapegoat to avoid accountability is to tell on others. Those are the facts. It's not as deep as many will try to make it. The facts are, and there could be something, you know, there's always a different avenue driving that force. It could be somebody has a vendetta against somebody that they used to deal with. Somebody doesn't like somebody. They want to get back at them. Somebody is jealous of somebody. They want to get back at them. Somebody wants to use that person as a tool to get benefits for themselves, to build a new life for themselves. There's always something there. And the public are not stupid on a whole. People could see through that. They just have to look at it sometimes. Sometimes it has nothing to do with intelligence level. It has to just look at, it has to do with somebody may not be perceiving something from the right lenses. And they need somebody to expose what could be going on or explain it. And maybe I'm that vehicle sometimes. And I'm not giving myself all this credit where I'm making people see things. That's not what I'm saying. All I'm saying is sometimes if I give a different way of viewing something, if I offer an opinion on how maybe you could look at it to to perhaps increase your perception or to increase your stance or, or how you align, that's all I'm trying to do. Just give you a different alternative viewpoint with legitimate with a legitimate basis for it. And what the public has to realize which is going to happen, you're going to get a lot of potential and future jurors who have come across these podcasts and come across these things. It's just inevitable. They, they probably heard them or listened to them, and then they're going to be serving on a jury, which may even be related. Who knows? Maybe some of these informants will be testifying at a trial that somebody who would listen to their show had listened to in the past. And, and one thing I think overall everybody needs to understand when they go on there and they talk about defendants that they may have put away <clears throat> for a while, they may have put away for the rest of their life, they, they did damage to them one way or another. They, they, they um, informed on this person to save themselves. One thing everybody has to realize, day in, day out, friends, family, people who care about that person have to listen to these things and have to endure it. And I think that's why I found it so amusing when a lot of these informants spiraled when the tides were being turned on them. You know, if, if things were different, I would love to come on here and just pick an informant related to any of the cases I've dealt with and systematically go line by line and dismantle every argument they said. Maybe some are true, maybe some aren't. And, I, and I'll, be, I'll be honest with that. I'll say, okay, this story, there was nothing conflicting that. So that's what the informant said. But each one where there is a, a conflict, where there is an alternative perspective, or there is something that doubt outright proves it's a lie, I would go through each one systematically. And I told you, another another idea I'm thinking about 
which I, I want to think about a little more because I have to analyze these things and make sure they can't be twisted into something else and, and contorted into harassment or this. So I have to think about it properly. But I would like to have certain family members of the different informants, certain people that knew them directly, and just to give their side of things, not to 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 bash, not to just to give their side. I, I, it would be beneficial for the audience to hear someone who's close to these different people what their interaction was with this person. What what did they do to them? Character wise, I mean, when you think about it, they're going on and they're assassinating everybody else's character. They're assassinating defendants' character. They're assassinating people that they choose character. So what's the problem with bringing somebody on who knows them directly, offering their viewpoint on how that person navigated through life and what their experience was having that person in their life? I don't know. I got to think about that because I don't see anything on the surface wrong with that. But again, I have to overthink it and make sure it can't be twisted into something it's not. So I have to vet that a little more before I start implementing that. And I've had a few opportunities. I've, I've received a few emails from people tied to different uh, individuals that are doing podcasts. So, But I have to, before I go down that road, I want to vet it out a little more. But I wanted to share it here verbally so the audience knows my train of thought on that. Again, to me, it's just a matter of being silent isn't always the answer. When you're repeatedly getting bashed and you're getting abused, there's nothing wrong in putting the record straight, explaining how things are, explaining what you've dealt with, explaining your position on the matter in the right way. I don't, I'm not here to throw people under the bus. I'm not here to point out what they did, what type of person they are. That's not my style. What is my style is to rebut and refute false claims. That I do like to do. And that I... I would like to do that even more so if I wasn't handcuffed, so to speak. But that I would like to do, to, de- to defend those who can't defend themselves, to speak for those who don't have a voice, that's what I do like to do. And as this changes and as my platform grows and kind of morphs, I-, I-, I may make the focus more of those type of things where I can put a different, uh, a different side of what is maybe playing out or what is going on or stories that are being told. So I have to develop that a little more. That's it. Right now I'm just rambling my thoughts to you guys, so you don't need that. But that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed the show. Until next time. You've been listening to the Justice Tech Pros podcast with Dominic Crea, one of the most unique podcasts on the internet, discussing the obstacles the defense team faces when trying a case, what goes on behind the scenes during pretrial and motion phase, holding defense attorneys accountable, making sure they're fighting for their clients, the difference between textbook law and how things truly play out in a courtroom, and everything in between. And everything in between. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show and we'll be back soon until then find us on twitter facebook and instagram at justice tech pros to email the show with questions and comments it's podcast at justice tech pros.com till next time this is justice tech pros podcast and dominic crea signing off